Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do with the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. How are we all doing out there? I know it's not a fun place to be alive right now with the coronavirus and uh, various politicians acting like cunts, but I hope, I hope everyone's doing alright. And I hope my fucking stumbling over words is going to help with it any isolation that one might have to go through so let's chat some music and see what how much i don't know coming up this week we will be talking about atena or atena i've only ever seen it written down i have no idea how to pronounce it uh atena vukovi salt ashes giver but we will start with caspian uh this is their fifth album it's called on circles they come from beverly in massachusetts in america and they are Probably one of like the premier post-rock bands ever going right now. Um, this is their first album with drummer Justin Forrest. And it's their first album since 2015's Dust and Disquiet, which for Caspian, uh, well, for fa- fans of Caspian, was kind of, it's kind of their peak at the moment. It's kind of their, their magnum opus so far. Um... I've seen a lot of people go gush over it. I've seen a lot of people say how great it is just as a whole. Um, it was also a big album for them. It was their first album written, and I will get his name. It was their first, well, it was a response album after the passing of their basses at the time, uh, Chris Friedrich. And so this is, their, this is the, the, the album after the big one. And as time has shown us, the one after the big one isn't always all that great and i just noticed on the I, I, aside from the album i've got obviously a youtube portion or a video portion of the podcast going as well i look really gray i'm sure that's probably nothing maybe obviously to worry about but anyway so yeah big old album for caspian following i it's almost like bigger than the big album when these sort of things happen um as a whole I've talked about it a lot. I find it very difficult to get post-rock. Um, it's a, a style of music which is a lot of bands sort of go too much of the crescendo core kind of thing, as I've seen it described, and I think that describes why I don't like it that much quite well. Um, yeah, it's just a genre that I, I want to get into. I feel like I'm missing out on an intake of music which is it just hits differently to the usual lot of punk and thrash and extreme music i usually go for but it's been a difficult one it's been a difficult one and in terms of having the slow building kind of songs and lots of ideas lots of spaciness lots of people trying to show off what they can do I was kind of getting that vibe very early on in the opener, Wild Blood. Um, again, it's a very searing, it's a very slow building kind of uh, off song, excuse me. And that's how it introduced the album. To me, it is the archetypal um, post-rock song. And yeah... I, initially, I was kind of worried because I was, gonna let, I was thinking like this incredible band with this incredible pedigree and i'm just gonna sit here and say it's boring um few more listeners know particularly on headphones headphones really did make a difference on an album like this um it really started to grab me uh flowers of light was one particularly early on in the album which is it really draws me into like the album as a whole beautiful guitar effect which i think is just like a simple delay effect um i'm really low down on this camera um, yeah, really simple delay effect that starts off as a song's intro, very quickly become, or very slowly, in fact, because it's post-rock still, um, very slowly becomes the uh, spine of the song and it's what everyone else works around to create this, like, like adding walls and walls, well, layer upon layer to the wall of sound. Um, the new guy, Justin Forrester, he has some brilliant hi-hat rolls that creates that really organic shimmery feel and that ethereal world that post-rock bands uh, post-rock music just craves and just is always trying to get something that feels so organic in that stuff in that ilk um 
yeah, I just thought it became everything bounced off each other and everything worked off each other so very well on what was just like simple ideas coming together to create a very expansive idea. It was an expensive hole, I should say. Um, the That wall of sound that I talked about is backed up by big stadium rock style, big, big drum beat. And from that point on, when it was a case of these are still quite grounded rock musicians, rock musicians making this kind of ethereal music, albums start to click with me way more than it previously was. Um, or even on, when I was doing the review list and it was pretty much blasting like 20 seconds or so of each song, I put on Division Blues, went to write down some notes and I just let it finish off and just it just drifted straight into Andra. And it was such, it was so easy. It was just so easy to have the music on. You can work, I find it quite hard in the grand scheme of things. It's kind of quite difficult to listen to music and then write at the same time. I've usually got to listen to something, stop it, and then write down what I've, the notes I have and what I've just heard as opposed to alongside. Whereas with this, it was so easy. Like I say, it just drifted from one song to another and it felt right. It felt, again, easy. Um, Onzra, the actual song itself, follows a very similar trait to Flowers of Light. That delay gar um, guitar effect to open and carry the song throughout. I love how that effect is used. It's something that on its own, it's something quite simple and easy. Um, you know, just either get the right guitar or get the right pedal. As, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a guitarist. Um, but the way they use it, the way they make something as a simple idea and turn it into something way more powerful than its initial usage. It's very, very um, done. Very, very well, very, very well done. Fuck. On this album, um, and it's not just Flowers of Light and Onzra use as well. They just use it as like the spine of the song, as I was saying. But there's a few other times where they just use it sporadically in between songs. Um, and yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Collapser. When I was talking about early on about how it took me a while just to like start listening to the songs and start listening to what it is as a piece of music as opposed to individual songs. Collapser was one of the first songs of the entire album that really caught my attention. It is, it's the proper Rocky one. It's really, really like more crunchy and way more closer to what I'd usually listen to. Um, there's a, just so much guitar melodies in there. So many, there's way more crunch as I say. The tremolo picking just adds to the overall drama of the song. Um, and squeaky chair, the outro of the song just feels like it does away with all like the beautiful etherealness and refinement that the rest of the album creates. When you get to the like outgoing of Collapser, it just seems to do, do away with all of that and it becomes more, it's kind of got like an alt metal, grungy kind of feel to it. Um, you've got low end riffs, you've got a lot of like squealing, bending guitars. Um, you've got, it just in general, it's just got a bit more, a bit more balls to it. And I think Collapse is a fucking wicked song. And oh, it just, it doesn't feel out of place either. Like, a band like Cap, um, Caspian and an album like On Circles, where it's like very, like, the, like again, very, very post-rock. It's creating this big mood. It's creating this big arsenal of sound. Having a big, like, rock, like proper rock song like Collapse it doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel like you should have like carry on on circles without collapser and then just do an album of collapser separately. It fits in so nicely, even when it does um, go straight into Ishmael or follow, follows up with Ishmael, which is a bit more of a classically folk kind of song. It's somehow perfect and it fits so well. And I think that's a, a de not a detriment, the opposite of a detriment to Caspian. And their songwriting, I think, is fantastic. The album ends on a song called Circles on Circles, which is just a fucking belter of a song. It's searing folk music. It is... I consider it the ballad, even though Ishmael is a bit more folksy. Um, Circles on Circles, like I said, it's a bit more searing. It's It's got a bit more gravitas behind it. And that's why I think it's more like the ballad sort of song. 
It's also got vocals as well, which I think, because vocals are quite sporadic on this album. You've got some from Kyle Duffrey on Nostalgist, and I believe he's the lead singer of Pianos Become the Teeth. Um, other than that, it's Circles on Circles, and I think that's it. I think that, are they the only two? Fuck them. I think that shows how much I enjoyed this album, if I didn't realise I had no vocals in. Um, but yeah, with I think yeah that having the vocals in there makes it feel a bit more ballady. I described it to myself as it is the song that of Monsters of Men and of Month of the Sons. That's the song they want to try and write. This like big indie folk, grandiose piece of music. If um, of Monsters of Men or if Month of the Sons wrote Circles and Circles, it would blow the fuck up. It would be everywhere and so many people would be going about how they're so diverse in their musical tastes it is oh my god oh, Circus and Circus is a fucking blinder of a song it's very very good and I as a whole I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would I knew it wasn't going to be an easy an easy like because it is post rock and it's not something I go for I'm trying to force myself into it and then often when you force yourself into liking style of music you end up hating it more but my my the thing that's going to hurt me now is i'm going to go find various post-rock artists expecting to hear caspian version 2 and i'm just not and it's going to take a long probably a, another long time to find another post-rock band that i'll say man i like this as much as i like that caspian record um probably the amount of time for someone to listen to another post-rock album uh, it's good. It's great. It's fantastic. It is beautifully written. It is. You can get so much out of it. You can have it on the background. You have it on as the the focal point of your day. It is beautiful music. It's it's ah, it's just fucking good. It's just fucking good. Um, it is the fifth album from the Beverly, Massachusetts-based post-rock quintet Caspian. It is out now. Do give it a go. It's fucking wonderful. Moving on then to, we're going to Norway for, uh, yeah, this is the album where I've only ever seen the name written down. So I don't know if it's Atena or Atena, it's spelled A-T-E-N-A. -E I'm going to call it Atena, because that's what I've been having in my head until I start pressing record. Um, Atena is the band, the album is called Drowning Regret, I'm going to try again. Drowning Regret and Lungs Filled With Water, it is their third album. Is a lot better than how I pronounce that, I promise. Um, and like I said, they come from Norway. They are from, based in Oslo. And they do a very a very familiar style of electronic metalcore. It dabbles a bit with deathcore. It fucking... Whatever the extreme version of a dabble is. I was going to do it touches on metalcore and follow gropes. There is a hell by um, Bring Me the Horizon. But I've ruined my own fucking metaphor now. Um, yeah. Little bits of Deathcore, a whole lot of There Is A Hell, Era, Bring Me. It is, yeah, a very, like I said, a very familiar kind of metalcore. It is the kind of thing that peaked around late 2000s, um, sort of stuff where a lot of the era of like electronic core, it's already pretty much dead. You had, um, Like the Nintendo core sort of stuff and like the early asking asking Alexandria and that weird like almost you could I'll throw Crunk Core in there as well, like wave where it was like proper discotheque discotheque fucking hell, how old am I? Um like rave and drum and bass style electronics with post hardcore. Um when they start to move away from that and start using synths for atmosphere and ambience the same way architects still do now and like I said, bring me do did, excuse me, on There Is A Hell, and even a little bit on Tempaternal, I guess. Um, it falls in that in that margin of that, like, crossover to being a bit more expansive with electronics and their synths. I found the song Death Is All I Think About, I believe it was just through a um, Bandcamp dive one evening, and the song itself I really, really enjoyed. Um... I thought, I was very intrigued by the two vocalists. On Cleans, you've got um, Jacob Scully, and on 
harsh vocals, you've got uh, Simon Kixard. I really hope I'm getting both those names not, I'm probably not. But with uh, Jacob, or Jacob, I call him Jacob, because I'm English and I apparently hate all nationalities that aren't my own, um, including my own. With Jacob, his, his clean vocals are almost like borderline baritone at times, he's got quite a deep natural kind of um, natural sounding voice whereas the way I've described uh, Simon's harshes in my head is you know you get like in punk rock you've got very like clean singers um, and you've got the very like gnarly harsh ones like, sorry not your harsh like the bit, just just gnarly ones so you've got um, the more pop pop punk side of things, where you've got uh, Billy Joe from Green Day, you've got Mark, Tom, and oh my God, why well, can't I remember his name? The fucking dude from Alkaline Trio. Why? Why are you doing this to me, brain? I I asked for so much, lad. Uh, that's probably why actually I asked for a lot. Uh, Matt, Matt Skiba, fucking hell, it's the second time this week I've done that. Um, so yeah, there's kind of like clean vocals that Matt, Tom, Mark, Billy Joe, I don't know, um, Patrick from Fallout Boy, that very, they're like, basically you clean sounding pop punk vocalists. Um, if you were to use that for harsh vocalists, they would be, to use, because I used them earlier, Sam Carter from Architects. A very crisp, clear sounding scream, but it's still uh, inevitably quite heavy. And then you've got like your more gnarlier sounding punk with um, sex pistols and that sort of thing where you've got proper like snarl, like phlegm at the back of your throat kind of clean vocal. That to me is kind of what um, Simon was doing on here. It is a much more, it's more of a gnarly kind of snarl and growl to his voice as opposed to like a very crisp, um, very produced kind of scream and it's not a knock I genuinely found it quite interesting on that initial song and that's what drew me in it was very it was quite different to other metalcore I heard because it was just you had whereas usually you, you tend to have quite high-pitched squeaky um, clean vocalists this was a very excuse me deep sounding cleans were very like I don't really know how to describe, but yeah, it's very like I'll use the word again then, fucking snarly, um, kind of harshes. So, yeah, very interesting in that. And then the song itself, I really enjoy because they were using synths to create more of an atmosphere and more almost like Ice Nine Kills kind of ambiance and theme behind the music. And yeah, really, really went for the song, and I got very, very excited for whatever was gonna come from if it was an EP or an album, whatever. Um, the follow-up single, Born Rotten, initially, I was I was not very keen on at all. Um, for every bit that I just, I praised the vocals for and what I enjoyed from the vocals, from Death Is All I Think About, I kind of had the opposite with Born Rotten. It just felt they had so many ideas that were trying to do all at once, and a lot of the like. Um, Vocal execution just did not work. Like, I think that the clean, uh, ver clean sorry, clean vote oh, fuck now, clean chorus to Born Rotten. And it's just, and that's that's all you hear. It, I can see what they're trying to go for, like add a little bit of like a ghostly thing to it, but it just doesn't. It just didn't work. It sounded more of a mumble, and it sounded it in the context of the album. I listened to a bit more whilst listening to the album as a whole, it has gone to me a little bit, but not to the point where I was like, yeah, this is a good song. It's, it's, it just didn't hit me the same way Death is All Think But did. And, um, yeah, so my expectations for the album as a whole changed. So after Death is All I Think About, I thought it was going to be a very, for lack of a better term, a very bop-filled metalcore album on par with that third, um, AA album that I always go on about and there was a second album that I used to say about a lot and it's completely escaped me I like me trying to think about it because I'll be here all day but just 
not, for me at least, not top tier album of the year sort of stuff, but something you can just put on and have just an easy time with it. Um, that was after, that's what I think about, after Born Rotten, it was very, it changed quite dramatically. I tempered expectations, so now I thought it was going to be um, a very, very standard metalcore album, but every now and again, a song was going to pop up and be like, fuck, yeah, this is really, really good. And unfortunately, I kind of had neither. I ended up not getting on board with this album as much as I hoped it would. And I'm actually quite good because, yeah, I was like, quite hyped for this album for a while. Um, there's a lot of Crossfaith vibes on it, and that's obviously the hell. Not the kind of electronics that they use. They're, the crossover between the electronics they use is very, very small. To me, it's more how they use them and how um, they're like how the songwriting is. I can't remember what song it is. I think it might be She Wept As I Told You. Told her, excuse me. And the way... I even think then it's um, Simon who sings and cleans and it almost like the sort of attitude, borderline spoken word sort of thing, which is very similar to what Kent... Is it Koji? I believe his name is in... Um, but lead singer across faith. That's the kind of way he does it as well. And so, yeah, that was kind of like the little crossfaith I was going through. There's a lot of, like, rapcore kind of stuff in there, which reminded me a lot of Straight From The Path. But it just became an album where they had so many things they wanted to do, and they had so many different ideas, and it just, it became messy. Um, there, apparently, it's like this overarching story across the three albums that they've done. Um, I think it stands from a teenage girl getting pregnant to having the baby, and on this album, the baby is like grown up to be a toddler and is trying to get hold of the mum on track five which just looks like a phone number of some kind um it's just a succession of messages where the daughter is trying to the, the daughter is trying to get hold of the mum and it's kind of odd i think it's very very ambitious to write a story across five out of uh, sorry across three albums um people have done it people have done it well people have done it badly without Listen to the other two albums. I, I'm not going to say if they've done it well or not, but I just trying to have something like that in there, which is fine if they want to do that, and then having like on that. So that song follow is then followed by a song called Domestic Abuse, which is very very on the nose and very, not subtle at all about what it's all about. And that was almost probably one of the best songs on this album. Um, Yeah, it just, I, there's no, no particular reason why. It was just the ideas they're trying to get on, the ideas that I really, really liked in their... That's what I think about. They just did it again in domestic abuse. I thought it was just very, very well done and very interesting, modern, electronic metalcore. Fuck that. Um, but halfway through the song, they have a rapper come in, a rapper by the name of Damien. And he has a rap verse and it just does not fit it just does not fucking fit the like the first part of the album so the, the chorus sorry of the album of the song excuse me fucking hell um sweaty shaking palms sweaty shaking fingers and palms can't unlock the phone daydream when she lingers in his arms now not safe in his home never that's again it's not subtle but it's pretty pretty cleverly written it's pretty good goodly written lyrics that's not even a sentence but you know what i mean and then you've got the rap part, which is, the opening to it is, you wanted the fight, well, you caught me in a bad mood. I'm a bad motherfucker, let nobody pass through. I fry motherfuckers like I'm singing that fast food. That's not what I meant, well, nobody asked you. It's just completely different vibes. It's completely different energies that they're trying to put into this album, or to this song, sorry, fucking hell. And it just does not work. It just does not work. I'm, I'm upset. It's not because it doesn't work, because... Rap shouldn't be in music, happy music, and that—that's hundred percent not what I'm saying. Or I'm going to talk about an album in a bit, which is all the things of pop music in with metal music. It's just, and I've also described, like compared this album to Cross Faith and Straight from the Path. There's nothing wrong with having rap in metal. There's nothing wrong with combining two genres of any kind together. Just ask Zelenada. But the important thing is, is that it's done well, and they—it just doesn't, just doesn't work. 
And it, like I said, it's a massive shame. There's a lot of cool ideas, a lot of like interesting ideas that they're trying to go for. Just unfortunately, poorly executed in my opinion. I can see this being um, highly regarded in like modern metalcore kind of fandom, I guess, for like a better term. So if you went for um, mid mid career, so what's that? From Death to Destiny. I'll even say the one before that, which I can't think of what it's called. Reckless and Relentless, I think it's called. Um, of Asking Alexandria or of um, There is a Hell, Some Paternal Time, for Bring Me, um, Architects, that kind of thing. That kind of. It's electronic metalcore, but it's not synthy. It is atmospheric, thematic metalcore. Give it a go. It might be something you really get on board with. And. Yeah, at the end of the day, just it was a, a tryout for me, and it just it just didn't work for me personally. So it's a shame, but never mind. Um, it they, 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 they. <laughs> it's been a stressful week, guys. I'm sorry. Um, Drowning regret and lungs filled with water. That is what the album is called. It's album three from the Norwegian metalcore troupe Atena or Atina. It's one of them. Moving on then. We're gonna come back to the United Kingdom. We're gonna to go to Scotland, uh, to Killwinning Scotland for the band The Covey and their second album, Fall Better. They are a pop rock duo uh, comprised of Janine Shillstone as vocalist and he's only listed as guitars. So I'm kind of curious who does the rest of the band's music. It might be him, in which case somebody stepped into Wikipedia, but as a whole, it's the duo Janine Shillstone and Hamish Riley. And I cannot think of the last album I listened to. And I listened to it and I thought, this is going to be so polarizing. It's not going to be an album where you're either going to say, ah, it, it was all right, it was, it was a little bit of, it was, you know, you know it's solid 6 out of 10 album, it is either going to completely infuriate you and you're going to hate it or it's going to be one of the albums of the year and you're going to adore it because they, Vukovi do the cardinal sin, cardinal sin of heavy music and that is they put it with pop. And not just like pop influences, this is straight up like you could use some, I've talked about it a bit more, but I've got notes on how you can use lyrics as a girl band. You've got hooks that you can use for like modern pop. This is not um, metal band using pop influences or thinking that's a cool idea or getting a pop artist in for a feature or what attended and get um, a very pop accepted genre like. Um, rap and then put that into one of their songs this is pop music with the guitars if you liked anything that Linkin Park ever did or you saw why so many people went on board with that you're going to get every single one of those feelings with this with this album um, I don't want to go all the way and say that they are like a modern Linkin Park because I'm sure I'm missing some super obvious name that's already filling that void but they ain't fucking far off um the lead single well the first single i saw um because i don't think it was leasing i think it was like the fourth song released from the album something bizarre like that um violent minds if you took the guitars out of that song you would have an electro pop song which could which should be touring with charlie xcx um the album has Excuse me. Massive pop beats. It has so much fucking auto-tune, which I just was not expecting in this year, let alone anything else, let alone the kind of music I listen to. Um, you've got big pop beats. You've got auto-tune. You've got a lot of pop lyrics and a lot of pop references. Um, Violent Minds, again, for example, uses the term daddy a lot. Um, the chorus to behave is one of the best pop hooks not used in a girl group right now. Um... Aura, I think, has a a lyric. I can't remember if it's just a verse or a, it might be pre-chorus. I think 
um, that could easily be used in a nightclub and it would you just see limbs everywhere. Um, the seesaw inside you is not going to hold, head up people that you mass at the floor, lock up your fears, you've only got the key, only you've got the key, excuse me, do it right, right, you'll get it right. The fucking limbs, if that dropped in a nightclub, would be insane. And as a whole, I don't know if I can say this without just sounding like a very generic white guy, but the same kind of like, if you listen to any pop act, like actual pop act, like Little Mix or... I haven't listened to the radio in about five years. Um, who... We use Charlie XCX again because I used her a minute ago. You take any, like the, the standardized kind of lyrics for like Little Mix or Charlie XCX, um, they've always got like an air of sexuality behind it. When I say this is very, very pop centric, it's even to the point where a lot of the um, lyrics are quite sexual and even quite sexy. Um, I don't know if that just makes me a very stereotypical white guy. It probably does, or a straight white boy, and you know. It's an observation that I found, and that's that. Um, it's it's I cannot get past how how much reminds me of what I would the style of music I would listen to when I was growing up, and the only channel we had was the hits. Rip. Um, and I just I really really fucking like this. I did not expect to. I was not expecting to. Um, it is, it's an album full of fun, 100% that, um, I don't feel that this is going to be top echelon of my end of year list, um, I'm going to be pretty confident to say that because it does peter off in the second half, um, but guaranteed this is going to be a song, um, an album, there's going to be a lot of songs on there that I just go back to just, just for ease, just to have a just have on the background, have a little bit of a bop, have a little shake of my head. It's just wonderful fun. Um, Violent Minds continues to be an absolute brilliant, brilliant song. Um, Claudia is incredible. Behave is incredible. The album up until about Verify Your Worth is fantastic. Um, Verify Your Worth is like a... Um, a holding place basically I can't think of the fucking word um, placeholder song we'll call it that um, and it's just the interaction with the narrative which I get into in a second um, and then after that it doesn't quite hit as well I think it was White Lies is oh Where Are You might have been actually one of those two um, I think that says a lot actually one of those two is the like the shining light of the second half of the album um, the fact I can't remember which one it was says a lot about the first half of the album. The first half of the album is just banger after banger. It's really fucking good. Um, like I said, Verify Your Worth um, shows off this like pseudo-narrative that the al album's got. Um, you hear it in the intro, which is uh, 17359. That is the number the listener has allocated, I guess. And it's got a thing in there, which is the following album has um, harsh lyrics, flashing lights, and massive fucking riffs, which I kind of like that. I think it's dumb. It's super dumb, but it's really fun. Um, people are praising the hell for doing things like that. I can't see why a band like Bukovic can't do it as well. I think that was... It was it's super cheap pop, but it's a cheap pop. It's still a pop. Um, but yeah, they got this like pseudo-narrative that it, there's two happening. You are either in a simulation, and this album is the world you live in, and you've also got this like weird anime girl that's either chasing you or chasing someone else and you see them chasing someone else and then they gotta kill you. A lot of it happens in Run Hide, which is the last song. It's a bit weird for me. It's just a little bit odd. Um, but outside of that, I think this album's pretty fun. It's really, really good. Um, like I said, it's, e it's easy to listen to. Um, you have, it's not, I don't, I just don't know, it's just, it's just fun. It's just, all the pop 
beats that you get and that, what makes pop so infectious to a lot of people you just have that only this time you just got this like massive thundering riff following it and that's a lot of why i compare it to linkin park the way they would have very pop centric ideas in their songwriting and then use it in i'm just gonna get rid of that and then use it in um with new metal riffs that's kind of the the vibe i get from this album um yeah i'm totally looking forward to what comes next for the covey and i can totally see it being a there we go like a um gateway album to bigger and heavier things and that's i've realized that sounds like a fucking big ass dig at Vakovi. if you listen to Vakovi, you realize music gets bitter it's like no Vakovi was a lot of fun and i've said that so much now i'm gonna stop but yeah it's it's a bit daft it's a bit silly but my god you'll have a good time listening to it it is the second album from Vukovi. it is called fall better it is beautifully british because scotland can't escape us um yeah give it a go it's it's strangely enough i think it might be a bit fun moving on then to the penultimate review for this week then um uh, we are re remaining in the uk this time we're going to the united kingdom of england uh, for salt hashes and technically her debut ep counting crosses i say technically because she's still got an album and many many singles behind her um and who 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 is she? Who is her? She is Vega Sanchez. This is the pseudonym that she operates by musically. She's hails from Brighton, and she operates with a, like a dark synth pop style of music. And this was another one that I found on Bandcamp. Um, I feel like I found this while I was trying to find like emo rap or goth rap or something like that. It's definitely not that. If you're looking for an alternative to like Wicker Face, Springs Eternal, or Josh A. This, this isn't for you. But if you like um, synth pop that's like a bit gothy and almost a bit gory, stick around. This is going to be a lot of fun. The opening lyric to the opening, sorry, the opening lyric to the title track, I should say, um, is You fuck me like I love you. You're lucky I'm still here. And that is just dark shit. And I was like, man. I really want to stick around for this. This is going to be... This going to be good. Because it's... It's quite spiteful and quite snide. And it's pretty mean. And I like those sort of things in my music. So, yeah. Definitely stick around for that. Um, and like I said, it is synth pop. It's a very dark, brooding take on synth pop. Complete with some very leering, piercing, searing vocals from your gal, Vegas Sanchez. Um, and the mix of the EP very much puts the focus on her vocals and how um, her pronunciation, how she hits notes and this sort of thing. And I found it oddly abrasive at times. Not like a death metal grinding core, it's just up in your grill kind of thing. Um, particularly on headphones, like the trap drum beats you have combined with electronics that you get on the album, which um, on the EP, sorry, which are times very glitchy. Very pulsating, almost to the point where sometimes it's like noise electronica. Um, all that together, it can often be quite intense. Where you're just like, man, I'm, I, I, it's only about, I think it says like just over 10 minutes long, um, or 11 minutes long. And there are times where you're like, you just need a break because it's, it's just it just rips too hard, man. Just It just rips too hard. Um, yeah, it just is quite intense at times with all the electronica and all the various beats going on. Um, the tower track, like I said, Count Crosses is a lot of fun. Um, my personal favorite for the EP is Rara. Um, it's weird how, like, um, it's almost like a cheerleader style word or noise, Rara, and the way she uses it in the lyrics itself and in the chorus, um, I want to play for Anna Ra Ra. Saying it out loud doesn't sound like it should work, but the way she uses it together and just to, I can't think what the word is when you just use wording to create music. Um, not acapella. Um, there is a certain word that I'm thinking of, I can't think what it is. 
But whatever that word is, whatever that technique is, she does it very well um, on the song Rara. Like I said, personal favourite. Um, I've got it written down that it has a digital post-apocalyptic feel to it on the lines of like Altered Carbon on Netflix. However, the way the world's going, it's going to be pretty appropriate very soon. So, yeah, if you like... Very dark, very gothy kind of synth pop. Um, imagine, because I, I keep using them as an example today, Charlie XCX mixed with, we'll say, Wicker Face Brings Eternal, more so than uh, Josh A. Gives us a go. She's a very, very powerful vocalist um, and one that hurts your head after a while in a very good way. I realise that sounds like a dick move, but, you know. Um, it's called Counting Crosses. It is by Salt Ashes, the pseudonym of Vega Sanchez. I am very intrigued to find out what comes next because her first album, I quickly glanced through it. It's a self-titled one. Came back, came out in 2016. It's still in the world of synth pop and you do get the occasional glimpses of what she's doing now. But overall, it does feel like a much more upbeat kind of affair in the debut. Whereas if she continues on this line, the sophomore is going to be a much darker, much broodier kind of thing, which I think will appeal to um, the alternative world a lot more. So yeah, maybe one to check out for the future. And the final album of the week. The album of the week, some may say. I had to breathe in as I said that first one. I don't sound bored. I just talk too much and I don't breathe. Hailing from Germany, this is the melodic hardcore band Giver and their sophomore album, Sculpture of Violence. Um, as I say, melodic hardcore, a bleaker, darker entry into the world of melodic hardcore. Um, it adds discordant melodies and just disparaging lyrics to make the album sound like it's absolutely drenched in despair and agony and just doom basically there were times where i was thinking about Man, it should should this be considered a black and hardcore album and musically it should not it's not in musically it's got nothing in common with um black metal or anything like that but the mood it has like the, the overarching theme that it has it's very it's hard to say doom and gloom without using like very stereotypical things that you use for like doom based hardcore like in the sludge world or if you only use black metal in it um but yeah it's just a very cryptic darkened kind of hardcore and that's that's kind of what i can say for it without using any more words that i know um it helps as well so you've got Excuse me. Um, the various guitar melodies and the various um, riffs that give it that very darkened edge to it. The lyrics help a lot in creating that world of like um, despair-based hardcore, which we're going to call it, apparently. Um, Imitation Dreams feels like it's targeting toxic masculinity. And this is the thing, actually. I should have said this beforehand. There's no genius entry for um, Giver. The lyrics should sort of like stand isolated, or at least I haven't found the um, genius album rundown um, for Sculpture of Violence yet. So everything's open to interpretation. This is just how I perceive these lyrics. So a little little caveat in there. But Imitation Dreams kind of feels like it targets toxic masculinity. You've got the lyrics. Uh, Can you remember the day that time stowed away? That first time they told you to dry your fucking tears? Can you recall what age you were? What the, was the time of year? Too young to understand when someone told you to be a man. That is fucking brilliant lyric writing. It's so good. Um, and it feels like it's just pent-up rage built over years and years and years and years. And then the beautiful thing about music is that you can just release it. And you can it's artistic venting that people can get on board by. Uh, Evilis initially struck me as a breakup song. I don't want to read off any lyrics purely because... With how the rest of the album is written, all the other lyrics that I've looked at, um, I feel like... And I could be completely wrong. I could be on the ball and say this is a breakup song one of the bands had. Um, it initially struck me as a breakup song, but again, the way how... The way the rest of the album's written and the intensity that's in it and just, like, the aggro that's in it, I feel like it's too simple to say it's a breakup song. 
it's a very very well written song and one of the my personally better songs on the album and yeah i just feel like it's too simple to say breakup song and again if i'm wrong i'm wrong that's again this is open to interpretation um but yeah another great um song another brilliantly written song um long for death <clears throat> excuse me i'm just slowly dying not the oh i can't say that anymore can i i'm not the actual dying uh long for death this is the one where i'm completely going off not on my own for what i interpret and what i think the song is about the fact that song references two souls um they're torn between having routine being one of many and want to be like everyone but also want to be like everyone else and almost so being like kind of animalistic in their thought process it strikes me as a song that's written as like a first person perspective ptsd um and the lyric i've got from it is a fine line inside me parting lust and bourgeoisie torn between a pleasured me and a modern slavery without getting too personal my stepdad uh still technically is a military man he came out the, the forces for a while and to watch him try and readjust to civilian life he went for jobs where it meant he could be in a uniform he went for a job where he could be one of a many like a soldier um and he found it incredibly difficult coming back into the civilian world and that's kind of what i'm getting here because you've got like being one of the many, being having that routine, but also want to be like everyone else and just be a bit freer in what they do, a bit freer as a person. And he he loves the military. He loved and continues to love the military. And that's why it is that thing between a pleasured me, torn between a pleasured me and a modern slavery. Because if, like, under a cynic's eye, you can see military as being a very modern form of slavery because you are doing what you're told and you have to do what it says without um often without uh, a personal input but it's what a lot of people in the military enjoy that at least are the ones that i've spoken to so that was like my take on it and it's no matter what it is it's more very beautiful um not beautiful that's the wrong word very brilliantly written lyrics with just like the darkest intents behind them and often like, go in the world of hardcore, go in the world of emo, that's often the best kind of lyrics to have. Um, what I want to talk about, though, after all the lyrics, is Sculpture of Violence might actually have... Well, ha a, definitely an early contender, the song of the fucking year. Um, every age has its dragons, parentheses, like an empire. My fucking god. That song fucking rips. There's everything about that song is brilliant. The like slow, like big Tom bass drumming um, as I think the lead singer is called Robert. They're quite cryptic in all their um, identities and what they have on and what they do on the album. But like the big drums followed by like just backing up the um, front man as like a low crawling kind of lyric happens. And then a, you've got bits of blast beats in there, a very like walking pace, um, snare and drum, a uh, snare and floor tom, fuck, snare and bass drum kind of deal. And then you've got the chorus and the chorus sounds fucking huge. It's just boom, like an empire, boom, like, oh, that in a live setting, when we have live settings again, it's going to fucking melt the what's left of the planet. It is insanely good. And... I didn't want to run the same problem, or didn't want the same problem, as when I listened to the Basement record a few years ago, where um, it was on the album Beside Myself. And the song Disconnect was like track one or track two, and I just kept listening to that over and over again, and I fell in love with the song Disconnect. So much so that whenever I tried to listen to the rest of the album, I just wanted to keep going back, and I didn't want I didn't want the rest of the album, I just wanted Disconnect, and I ended up getting a pretty shit review from me, because I just couldn't get past Disconnect. Thankfully, on here... The rest of the album is very, very good still, but Every Age Has Its Dragons is a fucking blinder of a song. It is hardcore, it is heavy metal, it is dramatic as tits. Oh, it's fucking great. I love that song so much. And this album as a whole, very, very good. Like it's like I said, it's a very dark, bleak take on melodic hardcore. But my god, is it a good one. 
It is the second album from Give. It's called Sculpture of Violence. I believe it's Holy Raw, which explains why it's so great, because they do everything great, because it's so fucking great. Look at me, I'm Holy Raw. I can do anything brilliantly. I don't know why I'm mad. Um, that does it for this week. Next week, hopefully, or next time you see me, I should hopefully have the biggest album on the planet in Code Orange. I'm kind of tempted not to do it, purely because there's nothing that I could say that people haven't already heard about that album, so let me know. I'm kind of six and two threes at the moment about that one, but there will definitely be um, Heavy Punk from Haggard Cat, some good old-fashioned death metal from Phalanx, hope I pronounced that right, and some blackened power violence hardcore from Leached, so it's going to be a very, very aggro-heavy week next week, and subsequently the current um, listening week is going to be damn heavy. Um, as ever, if you have any thoughts on this week's, or my takes on this week's album, so of course you've had Caspian, Atena, Vukovi, Salt Ashes, and Giver. Do feel free to get in touch. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at DesolationPod. Um, now more than ever, uh, this extends just beyond music as well. With what's happening with coronavirus, there's a lot of things getting cancelled right now, or getting postponed, or getting delayed, or whatever. Um, you've got tours being cancelled, you've got wrestling shows being um, shut down. There's one in the States, uh, I think it was WrestleCon actually, um, they got shut down, or they, they had to cancel everything because they just couldn't get people across, and obviously no one, no um, mass collection of people. And the hotel they were booking has refused to let them go, and they're demanding over a hundred thousand dollars in damages and insurance. It's a shitty time right now for any interest that you might have. Um, the best you can do without shows, without going after these places, is without obviously financially crippling yourselves, just buy a bit of merch. If they have a Patreon, sign up that for a while. If they have a coffee, buy them a drink. Um, for once, bits like that, so your Patreons and coffee, they're good for like independent artists. Um, for your the more bigger interest, like music, like um, prayer wrestling, like theatre, like anything like that, buy some merch, um, donate to them in some way without hurting yourself and what's going to be a massive ball ache of a time. Look after each other, look after yourselves, and look after um, interest because I think we're all going to need a bit of a pat on the back at the end of this. And if you know anyone involved with the NHS, just buy them a drink. Just, or just say you're doing a good job, bro. You're doing a great job. And yeah, slightly different way to end this week, but then it's been a bit of a weird week. Um, Enjoy. I've got an eyelash in my eye, which only YouTube people can see now. Oh, fuck, I've made that worse. Uh, I don't have a personalised URL for YouTube yet, so just go to any of my social medias. That hasn't got it at all. Um, and then find it through there. And that's got it. I hope to see, I hope to see anything soon. Um, yeah, I'll see y'all guys next week. But that's it. I've run out of things to say. Bye.